Amen. Hey, grab a seat. And uh, you know if I'm up here already, we got a unique service, right, today. Uh, grab a Bible. Turn to Acts chapter 4. It's the last time you're going to hear me say turn to a, a portion in the book of Acts for a while. Um, Acts chapter 4 this morning. And uh, as you turn there, um, we have a couple great opportunities to uh, bring in some visitors for you to invite. Next weekend is going to be a great time to celebrate Christmas. The gospel is going to be proclaimed. Look for opportunities for family and friends to join you. And then, um, as we've told you before, the second, uh, uh, we're planning to launch it now the second week of the year, January 13th, we launch our 316 series. So four weeks uh, working through this very well-known verse and uh, just a great opportunity for folks in your life who might not know Jesus, Jesus or searching out what it means to follow Jesus, a great opportunity as we turn the calendar to 2019 to have them uh, join you here. Uh, but today, uh, to, we said as we finished um, out the book of Acts a couple weeks ago that uh, for us to just kind of close the book and move forward, um, we, we might miss an opportunity to go, God, what do you want to drive deeply into our hearts so that we walk out of our 10 and a half months of studying the book of Acts with some tangible handles? And so Last week, we asked the question, uh, what if we witnessed? And uh, uh, there was, we just, we just uh, kind of uh, were pleading with each other to, to be people that take the gospel wherever we go. Today, we asked this question, what if we prayed? What if we prayed? And now, uh, that question might sound like I'm implying we don't pray. I'm, it's not what I mean to imply. I believe we have a praying church. I believe many of us in this room um, have a rhythm in our daily life of spending time talking to the Lord, uh, praising the Lord through prayer, bringing requests before the Lord. But the question today is, if one of the pillars of our church is that we believe firmly in the power of prayer, uh, to just ask the question coming out of Acts, and all of the places we saw them just hitting their knees in prayer, what if we really were these people who believed firmly in the power of this thing called prayer? And so here's, here's how we want to structure today. Uh, the worship team's still sitting up here. And um, I, thought it would be, I thought it would be weird for us to just preach like 45 minutes on prayer and then to all leave here and go, you know what? Hey, honey, you know what we should do? We should like, we should like really be committed to this prayer thing. Sometimes I think the Lord is just like, just, just pray. Like, yeah, like, there's probably not a whole lot more I would tell you in 45 minutes on a sermon on prayer. And so here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to preach for like 10 minutes on prayer. You're all like, yeah, right. <laughs> it, like, look at the outline, right? Five points in 10 minutes, rapid fire. But then here's what we're going to do. We're going to really believe that we're a family and we're going to spend some time praying as a family for the rest of the service. And we're going to interweave worship with prayer. And we're just going to live out what it means to pray together. Now, if you're already looking for the door, like the, the first time they go into private prayer, eyes closed, honey, where's the, get the, get the coat on, get the kids, we're out of here. Hold on, hold on. Just give us a chance because my prayer today as we spend some time in large corporate prayer, as we, yes, yes, break up into some smaller groups to pray, give you some time for personal prayer. My prayer today is that maybe if this is your first time with us or you're here because you've been seeking out what it means to follow Jesus and you're like, no, how is this the first service I came to? My prayer today is that as you tell people, you know what this church did this weekend? Here's what they did. Here's how they structured the service. And people are like, man, what, how awkward was that? You, that you'll be like, you know, I thought it was going to be really, really awkward. 
And it was at first. And then when we got into it, it just felt like a family praying. And then very quickly, I just felt like I was part of this family. And, and, and I've said this before when we've done this, and I am eating into my 10 minutes of a sermon right now. Um, I've said this before. If, if this is just weird to you, or you're like, I went to church this weekend. Can you believe what they did? They prayed. Like, let's think about that statement, right? Like, when did prayer just become the thing we do in church to transition from one point of the service to the next, right? So everyone's eyes could be closed and we can quick get the band off of here so no one sees it, right? Let's pray. But let's let God's word first lead us in this. Acts chapter 4. Let me give you some context. I'm going to pick it up in verse 23, but let me give you some context of what's just happened. Peter and John were walking up to the temple. There was a guy who could never walk, and uh, he, he's sitting there with his change cup, jingling it, going alms, alms, alms. Anyone, anyone have some spare change? And Peter and John look at him, and they go, hey, listen, money we don't have, but here's what we do have. In the name of Jesus Christ, uh, stand up and walk, and he does. And obviously, this creates a scene in the temple area, and they take this opportunity to begin preaching, and the authorities come, and they're like, stop preaching this message. How is this guy walking? And they're like, Jesus, and they're like, we don't like that. And so this is kind of that first moment in the book of Acts where, where the tension begins to, uh, be, begins to be established between the Jesus followers and the authorities, and then uh, Peter and John get out, and they go back, and they gather with the Jesus followers, and here's the very first thing that these Jesus followers do when they gather together. Acts 4, verse 23. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. They just threatened them, like, don't don't be teaching this Jesus guy. No more of that. We're done with that. So they go back. They say, here's what they said to us. Now look at the very first thing, verse 24. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to who? They lifted their voices together to God. And they said, sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Now, I, 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 just, I just want us to stop right there for a second because I, I want to make our first point here, and I just want to ask a list of questions with our teaching time today. And the first question is this. What if our first response was to pray? What if the emphasis is, what if our first response was to pray? The way that the early Jesus followers here, they come back and they say, the very first thing after hearing, there's all these threats and you better not be teaching in the name of Jesus, they lift their voices together to God. It's the, the very first impulse they had was to pray. Now, I don't know if you can relate to me, but often when I hit a, 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 a period in life where I don't really know what to do, when I run into a problem, even like when things are good and I just got great news, Sadly, my first response isn't to often pray. When I'm confused, I will plan and I will prepare and I will think through every possible logical outcome. All good things. God gave us minds to reason with all good things. But what if instead of I went there, I just hit my knees in prayer and said, God, I don't have the wisdom for this. What if when good news came and I'm just there celebrating and, and then later that night, like as my head hits the pillow, I'm like, oh yeah, I should thank God for what he said. What if as a group of Jesus followers, our first response was prayer just like we see 
here. Now, keep reading. And when they heard it, verse 24, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage in vain? Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. And so the first thing they do is they begin to pray. But what they're doing, and you can see in your Bible even how this is structured, it's indented, it's set in. The, the early Jesus followers are praying here what Psalm 2, 1 and 2 says. They're praying Scripture back to God. They're praying God's Word back to God. Now, secondly, what if there is power in praying God's Word back to God? And not that God needs a reminder. He knows what His Word says. But we're going to take some time later in the service. I'm not going to teach much on this. We're going to take some time later in the services to pray the promises of God. Here, God, here's what you say in your word. And I'm claiming the promises of what your word says here. And we're going to apply this very thing that we see the early Jesus followers do here. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever, now look at what they say here, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Third, what if question, what if prayer is a powerful reminder of God's sovereignty? I want you to notice what they pray here. God, in this city was Herod and was Pontius Pilate, and they did what you already foreordained, what you already knew that they would do. As they're praying here, in light of this bad news they've just gotten, like, you better stop teaching on this. Part of their prayer is just reminding themselves of the sovereignty of God. God, this took us off kind of by surprise. We didn't expect to have threats this early. But God, you're not surprised by this. How powerful of a reminder to things in life when we pray to go, God, this threw me off my bike. Like, I was completely thrown off guard when we heard this or when this news happened or with this or when this, when this. And, and God, just to remind ourselves that God wasn't. That when we pray, it's like, God, you knew this didn't surprise you. I'm down here freaking out and trying to make plans now accordingly. You're not freaking out. You're sovereignly in control. And I love that they pray this here. Just even as they pray it, reminding themselves, reminding themselves, God, you are in control. Now, keep going with me. I know this is quick, by the way. But I want to give us some time to pray. To do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue 
Now, don't, don't finish it when we preach through this. How did we say we would have finished this prayer? Now, God, consider their threats and grant to your servants. Come on, it's like the American sub-gospel. And grant to your servants safety. God, keep us safe. It's not what they pray. Now, Lord, look upon their threats. Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. The fourth question we're asking about prayer today, what if prayer is the path to be emboldened by God? To be emboldened by God. Not, not first and foremost gathering together, giving ourselves a pep talk and saying we can do this and trying to flex our own muscles. But what if the path to, for boldness, for the mission that God has called us to, to be obedient to the things, is right there on our knees to say, God, you must give me boldness. I won't walk in this. I won't obey you in this. I won't witness like you've called me to because I don't have that boldness intrinsically. It's not in me. You must give me that boldness by the power of your Holy Spirit. And this is what the Lord, give us boldness. Give us boldness. Give us boldness. And now, y'all ready for this? Come on. This is where I wish church was a 4D experience that we could see what happens, smell what happens, just taste what happens, and feel what's about to happen here as God unleashes his power. Verse 31, and when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. Not, not a figure of speech. Luke's not trying to say it was kind of like, it was so powerful, it was like the place shook. He says, no, it shook. The place where they were praying was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Fifth question, what if prayer is the greatest means of watching God unleash his power? And you know what the world is desperately in need of? To see the living God unleash his power. You know, what, you know what we don't need here today? We don't need just good songs and a motivational talk. You know what we don't need when we gather in the church of the living God? We don't just need like, that, that was, you know, that was, wow, so motivated, so ready for the week. You know what we need? We need to encounter the living God. We need to say, Lord, unleash your power. I was thinking this week, and I'm way over my time. DJ, it's okay. We'll get through it here. Um, he's actually the one who gives me freedom. Go as long as you want. I was thinking this week, I'm reading when, when Moses in Exodus, he says, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And the Lord is like, oh, if you saw my glory in its fullness, you'd be consumed. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stick you in this little cleft in the rock, and I'm going to put my hand over you. And as I pass by, I'm going to remove my hand so you'll just get a glimpse. As I'm already passed, you'll get a glimpse of my glory as I pass by. God, we want that. As we pray together, as we hit our knees as your people, we just want a glimpse of the glory of who you are. And we believe, Lord, you've given us this means of talking to you, of communing with you. 
where we get to experience the very presence of God. If I asked you this week, how's your relationship with your mom? How's your relationship with your dad? How's your relationship with your siblings? How's your relationship with your husband? How's your relationship with your wife? And you say, it's great. And I'd say, tell me about how you talk. Tell me about how you communicate. You go, communicate? We don't. I would say it's impossible to have a great relationship without communion, without communicating. God, we want that today as we humble ourselves as your people and we seek your face in prayer. Amen. And so we're going to get ready to spend our time in prayer here. And um, one of the beauties of the reality that we get to now think about this. I know if we've grown up in church, we're just like prayer, you know, prayer. Yeah, that's good. We get to communicate with creator God. We get to communicate because Jesus made a way for that. He came down, he atoned for our sin. We are we are we're wicked. We are wicked sinful people. And Jesus came down and he atoned for our sin. He took it upon himself. He went to the cross and died. So that in relationship with Jesus, there's now this mediator with the Father and we can approach his throne of grace with confidence. We can can walk in and say, hey, Daddy, I've told this story before, but I gotta tell it again. My dad runs a company and in the front office is up front, there's this code that like just not all the employees can get in. They got to have this code. And I'm sitting there in the back kind of shop area. And like there's employees around and they don't know the code. They can't get in. My little nephews, my dad's grandsons, they walk in with like Happy Meals and like their coats are like snots running out of their nose, you know, like their coats hanging off and they're just like dipping fries in. They're like, what's up, Papa? They walk up, beep, 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 in. Like 50-year-old men who have worked for him for they can't get in, but guess what? There's 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 the privileges of sonship. And if you're a grandpa, there's even greater privileges to grandsonship. You know what I'm talking about, right? And just beep beep beep, beep yeah, we're in. That's the kind of access we have to daddy. 